So, what should we do tonight? Anything's better than last night. All right. All right, then we should do something. Something sounds good. I have an idea. Why don't we rent a video tonight? Yeah, can we please? On a weeknight? Yeah, come on, Mom. It's okay. Sure. Come on. Let's throw caution to the wind. The Movie Seller, presented by Gods of the Show, The Alita Army, where we have a VHS collection, an internet connection, and uninformed opinions. My name is Lily, and I have type 1 diabetes. You're listening to the series VHS for T1D, presented by King of the Series, Jack Thorne. This is a series where you donate to the JDRF and then you get to pick a movie for my dad and his friends to watch. Thank you for your donations and enjoy the show. How was that? Is that is that the is that the beginning? Welcome to the movie seller. We already had the beginning because Lily did the intro because this is a VHS for T1D episode. Oh, thanks, Lil. Yeah, those are the best intros when you do the intro because then people. You know what? It's kind of like the experts where like people come in and they hear the intro and they're like, this is going to be really good. And then like (laughs) the only difference is like with the experts, it keeps being good because Stephanie's on it. But like with us, it's like, oh, this is going to be really good. And then we start talking. They're like, oh, fuck. Never mind. I don't know. I laugh at you more than Stephanie on those episodes. Oh, shit. (laughs) The good news is she'll never listen to this. Like the real Dan comes out. (laughs) <laughs> on the like you are definitely more low key here than you oh, are yeah. there. Absolutely. I try to keep our show. She winds him up. I try to keep our show. I try to keep my opinions off of our show as much as I can. I mean, it's hard because like it's in my nature, but I try to at least keep my and opinions on our show. Personal stuff. Exactly. On our show, I try to keep my opinions to the movie specifically, but you never fucking know, man. It's hard. It's hard to not get fired up <laughs> when about you have shit. a southern rant for like an hour in an episode. Oh shit! Yeah. Well, you know those, that opinion is just kind of a, for fun. Like my hatred of the South is just kind of for funsies. <laughs> uh I guess we should tell people who we are. Uh, I hate the South, and my name is Dan. Are you still on that shit, man? Yeah. Like that's the worst. Tell them who you are. Of of all of all the shit you say, that's the worst. That's not the worst. It's, it's, it's the worst. Incredibly accurate. Tell them who you fucking are. I'm George, man. Yes. Dan and uh, Dan and Stephanie judge me for having one kid, and I'm Chris, producer Chris. <laughs> I don't judge you. <laughs> you make it very personal, but the reality is, like, I judge everyone who has one kid, and I don't judge you for having one kid. I just judge you if you bitch at me about it, because it's like, <laughs> dude, I, give me a fucking break, man. No. Listen, and I've said this it's a on, little different for me. I've said this on the home. show. I've said this on the show. I also work from home. The difference, of course, is that you don't have another parent home. there. Yeah. You're, listen, I'm not. Listen, listen, listen. All right. I'm not trying to compare our situations. You brought listen, this up. Listen, my dick is bigger than your dick. Okay. We're whipping them out right now. <laughs> I wear. I've been wearing sweatpants like on the regular, by the way, and I fucking love it. I told Stephanie, I was like, I'm going to make the switch to track suits real soon. So just, <laughs> just be prepared for that. Like, 
no more fucking jeans and shit. I haven't left the house in weeks. I'm like, why the fuck? Who am I putting on airs for? You know? Like, I'm done with that shit. So, it's been like fucking running Hound's pants. Houndstooth and... button up bowling shirt? Yeah, sure. Why the fuck not, man? I've been wearing fucking hoodie sweatshirts and fucking running pants lately. I love it. And don't worry, I don't run, so. <laughs> <laughs> you do walk. I do walk. But walking, dude, the reason, okay. I walk because walking's fucking easy. And, like, when I was trying to decide, all right, I got to get healthier, I realized, like, I don't want to do anything that's hard. So what can I do that's, like, <laughs> Counting calories healthy? is not easy. Give yourself some credit. Well, okay, I am counting calories. But I, I also eased into that. So, like, I started out by being, like, maybe I should eat less snacks. And that's how I started that. And then I started being, like, Maybe I should start kind of getting an idea of how much I'm actually eating. And then I, and so I started counting calories, but I wasn't cutting back calories. And then from there, I started to be like, maybe I should make smarter choices about how many calories I consume. But anyway, as far as the exercise side of it was concerned, I was like, I need to get off the couch. Like I need to not be on my ass as much. But I need to do something as close to being on my ass as possible. <laughs> and that's when I decided that wow. walking was my jam. If, like, 80-year-old women can do it, I think I can fucking handle it, you know? So, like I don't... you said, before we were, we were recording, you got to do a sustainable. You can't just go bust your ass on a treadmill and expect it to fucking stick with you. So. Although, I do have to tell you guys this. And since we're doing a VHS for T1D episode, I feel like it's worth noting because we've done one about this. I have started, ready, newsflash, that's more like the corn song, but that's all right. Uh, <laughs> I started doing time bow. <laughs> Get out of yeah, here. Legit. Yeah, legit. So Chris. Have you made it through the movie yet? Yeah, I have, man. Fuck you. Of course I have. It's well, not, no, it's like, not that a thing. You had said originally, that was when we, when, it, when we had done it, you were like, I'm going to do the whole thing. Yes, I am doing the whole thing. I, so Chris brought me the videos. He, uh, we made a swap awesome. the other day. I left him some shit in the yard, and he and he brought it and traded some shit for me. Um, but anyway, so yeah, man, I got these Tybo tapes, and like it's been so fucking cold, I can't walk. So I'm like, what the fuck am I gonna do to get a little bit of get my heart rate elevated a little bit? So I was like, fuck it. I threw in the Tybo tape. I've done it a couple times now. It sucks, nice. man. It's fucking hard. Make Ginger proud. Yeah, right? <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you what, though, man. It's like, it's all the ass shit that's hard. Like, there's a ton of shit that's supposed to, like, make your ass firm or something. I don't know. Because, like, that's what they were all <laughs> about in the 90s. But, God damn it, that shit's terrible. Because you're, like, down on all fours and, like, kicking your leg back and shit. And, like, I don't know if you've ever done activity like that. But, <laughs> dude, it hurts your ass so bad. <laughs> I'm like, dude, fuck you. Hurts so good. And the worst thing about fucking Billy Blanks is that when you're feeling like exhausted and like, oh my God, I'm never going to get through this. He's like, you got to reach out to God and you got to ask God to help you. I'm like, fuck you, man. Fuck you and fuck your God. Like God's not real, you dick. I know, exactly. <laughs> like you want me to reach out to God for help? If that's my only option, then I'm fucking done. Like, <laughs> but 
just to spite Billy Blanks and spite God, I've just stuck it out just to say, I don't need God to work my ass. I can work my ass on my own. <laughs> that should be a meme. I don't need God to work my ass. Well, you know, there you go. If you're listening, if you're listening, Grand Rapidians, there's a meme out of context for you. What was the one they did the other day? It was fantastic. It was. Like, I saw it. it something but I don't stupid. Remember. I said on the show something similar to that. It was very, very inappropriate, but it was good. It was one of their better ones. Um, okay, so anyway, we're not here to talk. This is not the health and wellness fucking episode of the show. This is a fucking VHS for T1D. Uh, this one was sponsored by Stephanie's cousin Tyler. So thanks, t- Tyler. Yeah, man. I don't know if you're listening. I hope you are. Um, but even if you're not, fucking thank you for your donation. And um, thank you for a great movie pick. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, it's a total crapshoot with these. And you know how it goes. Sometimes they're great. Sometimes they suck balls. But this one was pretty fucking good. Yeah. Yeah, man. Fuck yeah. Uh, so for... What did we have for... Uh, I don't want to ask because oh, nobody knows what the movie is yet. Um. Okay. So before we... Okay. So I'll just... We'll just fucking say what the movie is. So this is the second VHS for T1D in a row... By the same director. Uh, so two weeks ago, we aired uh, oh. Jack's episode where he became king Shining. of the of the series with uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. And this week, we're going to do another Kubrick film, but we're going back in time a little bit for some fucking ultra violence with the Clockwork Orange. A Clockwork yeah, Orange. Yeah, man. Yes. That's A Clockwork Man, I had the biggest urge to just like yell out the name of the movie throughout that entire spiel. I know. And I tried so hard not to. I was ready to yell at you. It was like hurting. It was like hurting (laughs) my throat to hold that in. It was giving you blue balls, man. I was I was giving you blue balls. You can admit it. I it was it was much more in my throat and chest, much more in like the (laughs) I'm getting anxiety. I have to to do it. George had blue balls in his throat. You heard it here first, folks. I'm trying so hard to find well, this Well, God's not ramming my ass. So, well, you know, God's whatever. not ramming my ass either. That was the whole point. Whatever I'm you ramming said. my own ass. That's right. What, <laughs> the Ass Blaster 5000, man. What are you trying to find, Chris? This, that meme that they made recently. Oh, okay. But they're what? just like you. They fucking retweet so much. I know. Good man. luck. I know. So what? I was watching this video of this guy making a pie the other day. Yeah. And, uh, oh, man, it looked delicious. Anyway. So he, he had this tool that, like, rolled over the bottom of the crust to make little air pockets. Nice. And he and it was called a docker. He's like, you got a docker pocket. <laughs> and he's like, wait, don't look that up on Urban Dictionary. And he's like, well, you got a docker, you just got a dock. Sometimes it's just good to dock. That's amazing. He just amazing. kept going on and on. But he said that? He was like, don't look that up on Urban Dictionary? Specifically, he's like, don't look that up on Urban Dictionary. What is this cooking show where they're talking like that about shit? Have you ever heard of um, Good Mythical Morning on YouTube? No. Good Mythical okay, so good, Morning. Good Mythical Morning is these two guys, Rhett and Link, and they just do a bunch of you know fun shit. They've been around for a long time. And they've got – a lot of their stuff is around food where they'll do like food from around the world. And their, their chef, uh, Josh, has started his own channel, um, The Mythical Kitchen. And it's fucking awesome. And like so they make – 
a whole bunch of different things. They, oh, so he did several episodes where it was like food fears. And I think it was Terry Crews was on it. And it was like, we're going to take a food that really freaks you out and I'm going to try to make it good. And it was like brains or testicles or something like that. Nice. And he made it into a food that Terry Crews was like, you know what? I'd eat this. Nice. So Terry Crews would eat balls. That's what I'm hearing. Or brains or something like that. I don't know what it was. Balls but it was like brains. turned into like pasta or some shit. That's but, awesome. But it's awesome. It's funny. Um, and what's it called so, again? Mythical Kitchen. Mythical Kitchen. Dude, I've been watching a yeah, cooking show. Yeah, an offshoot of uh, Good Mythical Morning. I've been watching a cooking show, and I'm trying to look it up now because I cannot fucking remember the guy's name, which is ridiculous because I literally was just watching it. Um, But he's like this big fat guy. Um, And you know like a big fat guy is going to be good like showing you how to cook, you know? Because like big fat guys know what tastes good, you know? I mean, um, I guess. I think so. I think it's true, man. I think it's true. What the fuck, man? Why can't I find it now? I don't know. You know what was a great cooking show is Epic Meal Time. Yeah, man. That was good for a while. Yeah, it's gotten pretty weak uh, in recent times. But for a while... It just burnt it was... out, man. Just burnt out. Yeah, they ran out of material. But, you know, those you guys... You can only make so many giant meals out of fast food. Those guys like started out, they, they weren't even doing that. You know that? They started out fucking... They were, um, it was like a video game podcast and they made that one. Oh, was it? Yeah. They made that one episode as a joke. Um, and people loved it. It was like their most watched episode. And then, uh, the next fucking thing, you know, they're getting it's bacon and bacon and bacon and bacon and dude, bacon. they're getting endorsed by fucking Hormel bacon and they're getting a fucking deal to make Epic meal time pots and pans. So, Damn. Yeah. Have you never seen that yeah, show, they, Chris? No. Oh, dude, it, you got to check I mean, it out. It hit hard for a while. Yeah. So I, what I would. Harvey Mortensen or something like that. I don't Great know, man. People. There's uh, there's uh, the glasses. What What is that one guy? Muscles glasses. Remember him? One of no. one of his crew. He was a big muscle guy who wore sunglasses, so his nickname was Muscles Glasses. <laughs> <laughs> They're Canadian too. And like they, so whenever they put ba- they put bacon on every. So anyway, like Chris, the deal with it is that they would just make these ridiculous meals. I think my favorite one is fast food lasagna, where they went around oh, to all yeah, these fast the food restaurants like fast food plants, and they like put them layered. Yeah. And they just layered all these burgers and shit into a lasagna, with like a gallon of special sauce. Yeah. Yeah. And then they ate it, but like, it's <laughs> and just they put all these Jack Daniels and everything. Yeah. Like they and made when a they... chili with like a quart and a half of Jack Daniels. And <laughs> when it. they do it, they go Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels. Yeah. Um, and then they also have, like, they add bacon to everything. Tons of bacon. And so when they're doing that, they go, bacon strips and bacon strips and bacon strips. And you can actually get a shirt that says bacon strips and bacon strips. Um, and then my favorite thing that they would do is, like, if they made a dessert, they would use, um, you know those airhead strips? Um, we call them, in our house, we call them rainbow bacon. Um, but on Epic Meal Time, they called it gay bacon. So they'd be like, gay bacon, gay <laughs> bacon, gay bacon. Yeah, because it's like a rainbow, you know? So they call it gay bacon. Okay, well, it was candy. Yeah, it was candy. I just said that. Airhead strips. The other right, show those. I was talking about is called, uh, the dude's name is Maddie Matheson. 
He's great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's super funny. Um, and his show's really good. And none of this has anything to do with a Clockwork Orange or fucking VHS for T1D or fucking... Unless you like milk. What? Unless you like milk and you go to the milk bar. Unless you like milk. Yeah. There's bacon Muscle's glasses. Bacon strips. That's Muscle's yeah. glasses wearing the bacon strip shirt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. It's all in I had mind. to look it up. Yes. What's that? You can So you can get the shirt. You can get that shirt. Chris, you're going to yeah, love man. this show. You're going to love this show. You got to check it out. But after after we do our show, because if you're watching that show while we're doing our show, then people will be very confused. We're here to talk about <laughs> Stanley Kubrick, fucking A Clockwork Orange, fucking Ultraviolence, uh, Dystopian England, um, and fucking VHS for T1D. I'll tell you one thing, guys. They can't find a cure. Dystopian England? Yeah, they can't find a cure for type 1 diabetes fast enough because it's a fucking, it's terrible, man. I'm telling you. The last couple months with Lily and her diabetes has just been not fun. Not fun at all. No, doesn't sound like it No, whatsoever. It's so funny, though, because, like, we got into a position, like, Stephanie and I had a conversation, like, it was the, it was the dumbest conversation to have, if you believe in anything. Because we're like, we got this down. We really kind of got this figured out. Like this diabetes thing. Like it's not good. It's too bad. You know, like we hate that she has to deal with it. But like it's manageable. And it was like immediately the next day. Like, nah, no, nope. You don't have this down. And that might just be 2020 kicking you in the dick. Yeah, it could be, man. I believe in 2020. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in Satan. I don't fucking believe <laughs> in the Dalai Lama, but I believe in fucking 2020, man. 2020 is a motherfucker. Um, 2020's Legion, man. Yeah, demon. right. <laughs> I am Legion. The Vitamin Legion demon. Um, but yeah, so it's been tough, you know. Like we had to pull Lily out of dance. We had to pull her out of school. Um, she's doing remote learning now. Um, the other day, she was feeling so exhausted that um she like spent the whole day working like doing her schoolwork in her bed because she didn't want to like have to come down the stairs and shit um and it was just it was a bummer and we took her to the doctor and they were just like we just got to keep we got to get these blood sugars under control and like we're trying and working with her but like it's it's tough, especially if she doesn't have a constant monitor on. Like, um, she's got her Dexcom on now, but she didn't for a while. And like, so if she, if we're only checking her blood sugar like a couple, you know, every few hours, it has a lot of time to spike in between that. Um, and and the thing is, like, when her blood sugar is high, what you have to remember is that the sugar's high because the sugar's not getting into her cells. And so if the sugar's not getting into her cells. She's exhausted because she's essentially starving. Um, and so it's just been, it's, it's sucked. It's really sucked. You said, I think last night or yesterday, she's in DK. She was in DKA. DKA yeah. So that's called. Can you explain that again? Cause I, don't, that is, I didn't uh, remember. Diabetic ketoacidosis, um, which is like really, it's, um, it's a word. It's a very wordy phrase, but what it means is, um, okay. So when you don't feed your body 
your body taps into your fat cells to get um, energy, right? Yes. And fat is acidic, which most of us know. Um, And so when fat is released into your blood, it's released and used very similarly to how sugar is used in your blood. Um, But for a diabetic, uh, you need insulin to process uh, what they're called ketones. Um, And anyone who has ever done a low carb diet knows about ketones too. Cause you're actually, you're trying to force yourself to start using ketones when you, when you do a low carb diet. Uh, but anyway, so the ketones are floating around in your blood. The problem is that ketones are from fat and so they're acidic. And so if enough ketones get released into your blood without your, um, cells being able to consume them because you don't have any insulin to, um, to, uh, to allow them to flow into your cells then your blood just starts getting super acidic because it has all this fucking fat in it. Um, and it actually will change the, um, it will change your blood from like, it changes the acidity level of your blood and it can become very, very dangerous. Um, and so like when a diabetic is first diagnosed, they're usually in DKA because it's not usually a thing that you don't usually figure out your diabetic, like, you know, within a couple hours, it usually takes days or weeks or months. Um, and so by the time you find out your blood sugars through the roof, your ketones are through the roof and you're in DKA. And, uh, it's such a big deal to come down out of DKA, um, that they have to put you in the ICU to do it that, that first time. Um, so because when you're changing the acidity level in your blood, uh, it can affect your it can affect your organs you can have organ failure you can have a stroke um there's a lot of very scary things that can happen um and so dka is not good uh lily was like lily had some ketones in her urine uh and and um and it wasn't you know she wasn't in a great situation but they they thought that she was safe enough to kind of do the work from home and not have to go into the hospital, thankfully. Cause that's a whole, it's a whole fucking thing. Anyway, I've talked a lot, but the bottom line is it's been a very that's why hard we're couple this. months. And yeah, this I mean, is why we're doing There's so this. many people dealing with this shit. Oh yeah. So that's why, that's why we're watching movies. You know, we're watching movies. We're doing our part <laughs> to save the babies. <laughs> we're doing our part. We to, are to save, we are. to to help find. And the, the listeners cure. can do their part by picking a movie and paying us to watch it, and that money goes directly to the JDRF. Yeah, to help find a cure for this shit. Yeah, and maybe we should plug uh, our our effort. So we're gonna try to do a big push for Christmas to try to get over. I'd like to try to get over three thousand uh, end the year at over three thousand total donations, um, which I think we're about two hundred and fifty away right now. Um, so in that effort, we're going to do um, a Kids' Corner Christmas, which we're going to do 12 days of Christmas. Um, they're all 12 of them are going to be uh, Kids' Corner episodes with the kids. And then and hopefully, you know, um, Chris and George, you guys will be able to do a few with me and the, and the kids. Uh, Zach, I think, is going to try to do a couple with me and the kids. Um, yeah so we'll try to get some X guests game. in and, and and make it fun um but we're we're hoping to get 
people to um, sponsor each of the 12 days. Um, the advantage of, of sponsoring a day is that we'll shout you out on the episode and you also like you can pick the Christmas special that we watch, assuming it's not one that's already been picked and assuming it's not like terrible or like something my kids. Right. Because like watch. it's for the kids. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So there will be some like, you know, guidance, but hopefully people will be smart enough to just like pick ones that they grew up liking. Um, and anyway, you know, if we do those, if we do a $10 minimum um, donation for that. You know, that would be 120 bucks right there. And that would get us about halfway to our goal of uh, 250, which would get us over 3000 since we started this campaign, like just a little over a year ago. Um, so that would be pretty fucking cool. Um, so we'll get some more information out about that. But then, of course, also, we've still got the regular episodes. We've got a bunch of VHS for T1D episodes to go. So if anybody's listening and you're like, where the fuck is my episode? Um, we're in a, you know, it's a good problem to have. We've got a backlog and, um, we really appreciate all the donations and we are going to do all of the episodes promise just might take us some time. So fuck yeah, man. Fucking love the marathon. Like we did last time. If we can, we might have to, I mean, the last time we did at the end of season one, we're not anywhere near the end of season two, but if we have to take a break, and fucking crank those out. We'll do that. We'll do whatever we got to do. Um, and then we'll come back to season 2.2. 2.2. I mean, a lot of shows 2.2. do that, right? You do like season, you start a season and then you take a mid, you take like a break at the holidays and then you come back. Um, but, yeah, but we don't take a break at the holidays. The right. holidays get jacked up busy. Yeah, the I holidays know. just mean more work. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> That's because it's because of me. I'm the fucking. I'm the worst. You're every time, crazy. I, every time I feel like, man, we gotta like ease back and like do less. I'm immediately so like, another great reason to donate is so that I can say fuck Dan for making us watch so many movies. Yeah, that's true. So Although, if, you, if you just want to hear me say fuck Dan for making us busy. Donate to watch a movie. Well, you know, it's not really my fault or just if they say donate. Because so, I'll say it. If they donate, it'll be their fault, not my fault. Yeah, but I'm saying fuck Dan. Like, I don't know them. I'm saying oh, thank okay. you to them. Okay. Okay. I, that's They're fair donating money, man. I'll take it, man. I'll take it for a fuck Dan. I'll, uh, for, for money, I'll take it, man. I don't care. I'm a whore. I'm a total You said whore. you'll take a lot of things. <laughs> I don't know Sometimes what you're Sometimes you do about. it to yourself. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, guys. Let's fucking Clockwork talk about Orange. a Clockwork Orange. Um, who wants to tackle this plot summary? Eh? I, I will. All right, so George wants to run with it. Let me get the timer up. Chris, you got to put the fucking Jeopardy music in. I went back and edited that one. Did you? Was it Good Burger? Yeah, uh, I did. Yeah, I yeah, fixed yeah. Good Burger, but I did not do it on Friday the 13th. But... Whatever. Well, fucking do it, man. Get on that shit. What are, you're our producer. I'm just, not, I'm just not in the habit yet. Like, on the, for Good Burger, I was more concerned about the intro. Right. And then just completely lost sight of anything else after the that. The best so. part about Good Burger is that we talk about the Jeopardy music. And then, in, yeah. And in the, like, when we're getting ready to do the plot summary. And then we don't. And then we don't There's no it. Jeopardy music. <laughs> but I did add it. I did go back and edit that one. But All right. Well, yeah, there's some other stuff that we can't talk about that happened during Good Burger. 
which is why I was also very distracted editing that episode. Ah, yes, 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 yes. I was like, Good Burger's so. been released, but no, I know what you're talking about. All right, George, are you ready to no give idea. us? You should know, you idiot. You uh, should know, you dildo. You dildo. <laughs> okay. I can't fucking remember. Okay. Well, we won't press you on it. Um, are you well, re- it my fault? Yeah, it was your fault. Oh, shit. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot Dumbass. which episode that was. I forgot which episode that was. Oh, man. You're, you're so great. You're so great. <laughs> I remember that. I'm That's like, great. he's going to keep pressing it and pressing it, and he doesn't want to press it, but he want, but he, because he's too dumb to know. But. All right. Are you ready to do a plot summary, George? Yeah. All right. So you got five minutes on the clock. We're going to have Jeopardy music, which we got to make sure we plug in. Rest in peace, Alex Trebek. Uh, yeah. Here we go. Starts now. Okay. So the movie starts very aggressively with the, uh, with the, the, like the beginning credits and those bright color changes like blue and orange and shit. Just right in your face right away. And uh, you got the main character sort of narrating a little bit of what's up with him and his homies uh, in England and they're all dressed in white and weird and shit and they're at the milk bar where they put different kinds of liquor in milk because that's a thing um, and the milk can like come out of tits of statues and stuff I didn't understand weird. sorry I don't want to interrupt keep going no whatever no, oh and going. then um, in the middle of talking about Good Burger my wife texts me and she's like yo I'm pregnant and I'm like oh holy shit <laughs> Um, okay, so that's that's public knowledge now. That's that's gonna be public knowledge now. We're, right. we're having number four, and I was just dumbstruck, and like holy shit, in the middle of uh, talking about Good Burger, and I just like shut off for a few minutes, like didn't even realize that they were talking to me. Yeah, um, that's what happened. Yeah. So this is it's you're exciting. Being timed, it's you know. I don't give a fuck. Okay. It's exciting, man. I'm having number four. I know it's exciting. Um, you could have so said then, all this before, but. That's I know, okay. but you know it's fun. Um, so then this this gang of uh, British dudes in white um, decide that they're gonna go beat up some other gang that's like trying to rape a girl, very graphically, um, and then they go break into a dude's house and rape, rape a, girl. a girl. Yeah, um, I don't think they beat up. Right, we'll get to that, but yeah, keep going. Anyway, um, so they're fucking around, and he's, uh, you know, the leader of the group is, is just this asshole, and the other, gr- the rest of the group's like, nah, fuck you, we don't want to listen to you anymore, and so he stabs them, um, and, uh, anyway, so he gets caught, and goes to prison, and he's like, he's, he's like privileged, and doesn't understand why this is happening to him, and then he's finally like, ah, fuck and so he's like, how am I going to get out of prison? And there's this new treatment going around. And he doesn't know what it is, but they're like, you can get out of prison real fucking quick. And so he's like, sign me up for that shit. And it's fucking torture. They, in, a, in an incredible scene, they force his eyes open with these like clamps and shit. And they make him watch just these Halfway. terrible scenes. Um, of of rape, of murder, of warfare, of Nazis marching, and they they end up playing 
um, Beethoven's Ninth Ninth Symphony um, in the background, which is his like favorite song. And Beethoven's like all over this movie. Like he's got a Beethoven um, uh, shade on his window. Two minutes. He's got like Beethoven posters. He's all about Beethoven. And so he's freaking out because the he doesn't want Beethoven to be ruined. Like this is the treatment's supposed to ruin his desire for bad deeds. But he's like, you're gonna fuck up my music, and I love it. Please stop. And then everyone else is like, nah, fuck you. So he gets quote unquote cured, where every time he thinks of a bad seconds. doing a bad deed, he gets like sick. So he's out of prison, and he gets beat up by his old gangmates that are now cops after getting beat up by an old dude that he had beaten up a long time ago. And he, like, stumbles back into the house where he had raped that girl, like, not knowing, because he's, he's, like, totally beat up. And the the woman's dead, and the man that was there is crippled and doesn't necessarily recognize him right away. He's like, oh, man, I've heard about your case with the government seconds. fucking up. Let's help you. And then he sings Singing in the Rain, which is what he sang while raping the, the woman. And so it, it all comes back to him. And then he wants to torture him. So he plays Beethoven's Ninth, jumps out of a window. In the hospital, seconds. government comes and is like, I'm sorry, we hurt you. Let's take a picture and say we're all good so the people don't hate me and put me out of office. And he's like the biggest weasel of all. And then that's the end of the movie. Okay. That was good. Uh it definitely veered into some weird territory, um, like you revealing that you're having a baby. Yeah, I'm not stupid. Yeah, because the whole the whole movie, he's such an idiot. And then it's that the, cla- out, it's the classic movie. brilliant line out of the stupid guy, or like yeah. in Clerks, where it's like Silent Bob doesn't say anything the whole movie, and then he says Until the, the, one, very the one very important thing at the end. You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. I I thought that was a good moment too. I like that. Georgie, are you there? This fucking guy. George? It's like he doesn't even know we're making a podcast. He's not muted. George. <sighs> For fuck's Dan, sake. Dan, what's your metal Guys. What? Hi. We, uh, mark the time. We got to cut this out. Why? What's happening? Just found out Stephanie's pregnant. What? Right now. What? Right now. She literally just texted me. Oh my god, dude. Well, Holy so, fuck, man. Congrats, dude. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So we yeah, can so da- it's it's first it's first test. It's super early. Right. You know. Um but damn. Well, listen, Chris, cut this out of the episode, but save it, man. This is good. This is good content for the future. <laughs> damn, dude. Congrats. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. You, you guys were trying, right? Yeah, yeah. We've been trying for two months. Well, there you go, man. Congratulations, dude. That's exciting. Thank you. You're going to be... Better you than me. Yeah. I'll say that. <laughs> Fuck, man. Oh, shit, dude. That's so That's so exciting. Yes. Um, yes. Are you guys hoping... Do you, I mean, I know like you just found out, but... Like when you guys are talking about, it, are you hoping for a boy? Are you hoping for another little we're, girl? We're both hoping for a boy. Yeah. Well, are you gonna name him George if you have a boy? Uh, I really don't want to. Okay. You really don't want to. That sounds like sounds like you might like not have a choice. 
No, like I, I'm not saying that at all. I'm oh, just okay. saying like that's there's like so many names I'd rather choose than George. It would be a fourth though, wouldn't it? Well, no, because I'm a oh, first. You, you have a different middle name. Yeah. Right. Well, that's exciting, man. That's so exciting. I'm stoked yes. for you guys. So. Man. Yeah. yeah. I'm like speechless. Yeah. <laughs> I. Why did she tell you? Why did she text you, man? I I guess she was just too excited to, to hold wait. on and wait. Like That's so funny. Man, uh, it's exciting. <laughs> yeah. And then also... Uh, you really focused heavily on the Beethoven stuff, which I thought was interesting. It's a big deal in the movie. It is a big deal in the movie. Um, you didn't really mention the fact that he went to jail because he killed somebody. Oh, yeah. The woman he killed with the dick. Yes. The woman <laughs> the he killed. Hits, the her, woman... hits her in the head with a penis statue and she dies. Yes, that is what happened. Dan, what are you doing with your camera? You're like playing I'm, fucking Twister on my screen. I'm trying to check Lily's blood sugar. Oh, um, well, okay. I'm sorry for my attitude. It's all right. Uh, it's all good. Can you see me now? You're I mean, I can still see you. You're just fucking sideways. I'm sideways? Ah, oh, God, stupid fucking phone. Oh, you're dancing, man. Sorry. Just bouncing around. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. Chris, you're nice and steady. Well, that's Chris, because really he's nice not on his phone. Chris, you tape back there, man. Yeah, that black I'm tape. Sitting man. on my computer. Um. Okay. So that was good, George. So had you seen? You've seen this movie before, right? A few times. Yeah. Have you read the book? I have not. Okay. Um. So this was obviously another one of Stanley Kubrick's uh, interpretations of a book. Or not interpretations. Uh, I don't know. What do you call it? Um, An interpretation. Yeah, I guess. Uh, it it is probably. It sounds like it is the closest to the book that he ever got in a movie. And um, oh, Anthony Burgess, uh, the author of A Clockwork Orange, kind of hates the movie, which seems to be a theme with Kubrick. Um, sure does. Yeah, doing doing uh, films of of books. Um, and for similar reasons to King, um, basically, uh, the, the end of Burgess's book, there's a redemptive, um, sort of part that gets left out of the movie, but it sounds like from what I read, um, that part of the story was actually left out of the book in its release in the U S um, and so it wasn't necessarily Kubrick's fault that it got left out. Um, it it was in in the version of the book that he first read, it wasn't there. And then when he read it later, he was like, it doesn't actually fit very good. And so he did make the creative decision to leave it out. Um, but there is a redemption story in the book that does not make it to the film, um, which, if you remember, was one of King's big issues with the shining yeah. is that yep. is that um jack redeems himself at the end of the shining book um but in the movie he does not he dies trying to kill his son um and so i don't know i i think maybe there's some element there of you know kubrick's worldview that doesn't necessarily jive with these authors but um another thing is that burgess um 
doesn't like the fact that uh, the film totally overshadowed the book. And so he's not a big fan of even his own book because it it became... Because someone else did his story better than him? Yeah, well, you know, I don't know that he would phrase it that way, but yes. Um. So what? So you've seen it. Someone cock blocked him from his own cock. (laughs) Uh, Someone cucked him with his own cock. They cut. They cock cucked him. They were docking. They dock cucked him. What? I don't know. (laughs) I am so confused. You're just throwing out these words. You know. Speaking of throwing out words, what do you think of the words in the in the movie and the book? The NADSAT. Well, I haven't read the book, but. Oh, yeah, the way they spoke was a huge part of the movie. So that was a language that um, that he made up, that the author of the book made up. Um, it's called NADSAT, and it's like, well, it's not really a whole language, but, you know, there's definitely, there's a lot of words. Um, it's, I think, a combination of Russian and, and like, trashy British English. Um, and there's some great words in there, man. Um, Droog. I thought Droog was a good word. Um, yep. For his friends. Uh, Viddy, uh, to see something. Yep. I like that. Yarbles for testicles. I was a big fan of that one. I had heard, I feel like I had heard that somewhere else before, like in something else British. Yeah, maybe, but I, it came from this, I think. So, I mean, it's Probably. hard, it's hard to even say, cause this came out in 72. I haven't seen much British content prior to 72. Except for maybe some Monty Python stuff. I don't know how old Monty Python is, but um, anyway. So George, yeah, you're right. It's you've, probably influenced by this. You've seen the movie a few times, which means that you like it, I assume, or else you wouldn't have watched it more than once. Um, so tell us about your thoughts and feelings about A Clockwork um, Orange. This this is one of those movies that like. It's a good movie, but it's a hard watch. Yeah. Um, I was just as jarred and shaken watching it this time around as the first time. And I can't imagine what it would have been like watching this when it had come out. I can't imagine being a regular person that like wasn't expecting this and watching this when it came out, I feel like I would have shit my pants or something. <laughs> like, it's just, it's intense, man. Well, dude, this like, came out in the early seventies. This came out in I the early seventies. And think about how the way people reacted to uh night of the living dead, which came out in 68. People acted like night of the living dead was this like horrible, monstrous, like, you know, terrible movie of blood and, and gore. This. And this is like, Holy fuck, and man. It's, and it's not just the violence because there's a lot of misogyny. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, just privileged attitude, but there's also um, a lot of nudity, but there's yep. also a lot of irreverence, just so much irreverence. I mean, like the dancing crucified Jesus statue that he had in his bedroom. Yeah, the um, singing in the rain. Just every angle of this movie had something aggressive and pointed. And, uh, I mean, the way they treated the old people living under the bridge. Um, the way they treated all it, people. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Just everything. Just every, And then, and then the gang members that um, 
became cops later on and like took him to this place that they already knew, which clearly they had used before um, to like shove his face in this, you know, basically a giant bucket full of muddy water. Um, And they're like beating him and shit. Like, I mean, it just says so much on, on every level. Um, So the first time I watched this movie uh, was because I was like, I, I've heard about this movie. I feel like this is a movie that I need to watch for just my library of knowledge, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I watched it and I was blown away by it because as, as jarring as it is, it is so well done. The use of music and not just the use of music in the movie, like to listen to, but the way that they tied that into the story Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. By making Beethoven's Ninth just such a big deal, and other Beethoven was okay. Um, Ludwig Vaughn. I like that he didn't he, call him Beethoven. He called him Ludwig, right. Ludwig Vaughn. Like he knew him. Yeah. Like it was such a personal thing. Yep. Um, man. And, and so, like, okay, so there's there's a lot of different approaches to a lot of the same type of in your face stuff. For example, there's the the three-way sex scene where the main character picks up these two girls in a record shop while being a jerk and then takes them back to his place and fucks them multiple times in a row like sometimes all three of them sometimes one at a time but like it's it's fast forwarded yeah so like you, you see it happening but it's going so fast like you don't really see any like detail so when that scene was shot that was not shot with the intention of it being fast forwarded but the movie like the original cut Kubrick's original cut was like four hours long and they were like we got to do some shit and that was one of the things they did but I thought it was it was to a very good effect I I thought the way I thought it was to a very good effect too because I mean you start the movie off with that that intended rape scene where they strip that woman and that's and it's done very violently very like cringy and then you see this scene, and the way it's fast-forwarded is is comical, and it's very much like all these young high school-age kids are just being wild and crazy and fucking like rabbits and blah, blah, blah. And then later on, sex is viewed in sort of like the negative way um, when when he's being tortured with the videos. It's like sex is bad so that he doesn't want sex, so that he doesn't want sex where he forces himself on people. And so one of the tests is they have this this woman come out who's naked, and he's, like, wanting to grab onto her. Like, he, he just can't help himself. He's just staring at her naked body. And the whole crowd, like, there's a crowd of people watching, and one of them is, is what, like, the pastor from – not the, the, the Catholic – religious from dude jail. from the from, from the, the jail and yeah. and there's like the the um the person from the school was a truance officer or a principal or some shit i don't know um there's just so many people right and and they're all of their attitudes during the testing scene was like i don't know if this is gonna work oh this is gonna work like some of them it was very polar but then everyone paid attention when there was the naked girl like it drew a lot of attention like the, oh everyone wants to look at this and then it made him sick, but it was in a very slow, very drawn out. You know what I mean? So like, 
they view nudity and how men and women get put together from so many different angles. Um, and then the violence is from so many, like they have the violence, um, they have the violence on the old people. They have the violence on the rival gang. They have the violence on women. They have the violence in their own group when he's, you know, beating on and cutting his own gang members. And then they have the violence in prison where the other guys like, uh, trying to intimidate him by like blowing kisses at him and shit. And then the violence of, um, the government people that are trying to cure him with the way that they torture him. And then the violence of, um, the cops beating him up. And then the violence of the crippled dude getting revenge, like just so many different angles of the same jarring thing. So it's just you from beginning the to end. Dude, you're talking about that old man. Yeah. 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 Um, the old man that was married to the woman that he had raped, that the main character had. Raped oh yeah, on. that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so, I mean, they use, they use music throughout the whole thing to sort of even it out and bring it together. But every single aggressive thing is just viewed at from every single ang- angle. It's crazy. His home life is viewed as very independent and then viewed as he needs his mom and pop, you know? Um, and then they're worried about him, but now they like can't have him around cause he's scary. And then he gets hurt and they're there and he's like, who the fuck told you you could come? Like, I don't want you anymore. Like you gave up on me, like fuck off. Like it's just the, the view of family changes, everything just goes through such a big change in the movie. Um, it's kind yeah, of man. It's kind of mind blowing to watch, and it's done so well. Do you but think it's... there's a point to it? Do you think there's a point to all of it? Do you think that they're trying um, to get? They're trying to say anything? I don't think I can pick out a single point because, like I said, there's a lot of different topics happening. Um, I mean, maybe just don't be a douchebag. <laughs> if I had to pick like a single point, it's like. Don't be a douchebag. You know what? <laughs> yeah, but look at the people person. in look at the people in the movie who aren't douchebags. They get totally taken advantage of and uh, abused. Yeah, so that's true. It's like it, everyone is just they have so many different types of characters. Um, the the angles, man. The shots. Oh the yeah, straight on shots like down the hallways. Uh, this movie is full shots. of the Kubrick. Yeah, oh, it's shots. very, just very yeah. full of them. Yeah. yeah, the setting was perfect. Like his apartment building being vandalized and trashed, and the and the you know elevator not working, and then out in the fields with the trees and the mud and all that shit. Like it just it uses everything, and then you got that inner city feel with like the the bridges and like under the bridges and shit. Um, so something that's very cool about the, you know, the filming and everything, um, something that's kind of unique about this film, um, that really, uh, you can see it when you know it. I mean, I'm not smart enough to have noticed it, but like having read about it, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The vast majority of the lighting is just natural light. There's very little like stage lighting or artificial lighting. Because it worked well. Yeah, it works really, really well. Um, and it gives it a much more even sort of um, almost flat sort of, uh, I don't know, 
I knew something was different, but I didn't know what, and yeah. that totally makes sense. Yeah, so it makes totally it makes feel sense. much less theatrical, I guess is how I would say it, which which really like is juxtaposed to the content of the movie. Uh, where the content of the movie is very theatrical, like the shit that's happening is like cra- absolutely insane. But even there's simple this... stuff like that record store scene with like all the background colors and shit. Did and, you like, guys the... notice that uh, since you brought up the record store, that while he's standing there, a 2001 A Space Odyssey yeah. is right dead center? <laughs> I didn't notice that, but I did read about it. So. I saw, I'm like, I was pointing out the panel. I'm like, look, it's 2001 A Space Odyssey. I'm pretty sure that was like 1967 or something like that when yeah, it came out. Yeah. So he's, he's like advertising his own movie. Yeah, the why movie. the fuck not, man? That's... Eggs, man. Yeah. So I talked a lot about a lot of the things that happened in the movie, but the main character, his his arc is nuts. He starts out being the most aggressive. He's clearly the dominant leader. Um, he is in charge. And then you see what his name is Alex. Yeah. Oh, that's helpful. So Alex is, um, he's clearly in charge. And then his leadership is threatened by the gang members that are like, well, you're kind of a dick. We don't want to listen to you all the time. Like let's fucking cooperate. And he's like, Oh, stab you bitch. Um, like he didn't stab him. He like cut them. It wasn't even like a stabbing. He like cut their hands, pushed them in the water. Um, but then he's like, he, he, so he's narrating some of this. And so you hear sort of his thoughts and he's like, all right, now I've got them back in line. And then like he, he's deluding himself. Like he thinks he's in charge of everything. He thinks he's entitled to everything. Um, he gets into prison and he's still trying to be cocky, but he sort of understands, okay, I've got to bide my time and play this role and I've got to chill out for this. And, okay, I guess I did some, like, he doesn't feel like he's remorseful at all. No, it felt very, when he, he understands his place. When he goes into the jail, it felt very, like, clinical psychopath. Like, this yeah. is how a psychopath acts. He does what he needs to do. He puts on the mask that he needs to put on to get through the thing that he has to get through. Um, and, you know, and there's, you know, there's some evidence that uh psychopaths actually take pleasure in misleading people into thinking that they're reformed when they're not um it felt very much like that kind of vibe from him yes 100 I, I agree and then you have the you know he's trying to suck up to the the priest or whatever and trying to get that treatment and so he's like yeah i'll do whatever this treatment is because he really wants to get out right and so he's like, yeah, I really want to get cured. Let me, you know, let me do this. And then almost immediately when it starts, he's like, what are you doing? Okay, let's do this. What am I drinking? Okay, let's just drink this. Oh, why are you shoving these things in my eyes? Okay, let's do this. And then he's just, oh, fuck. And he's tortured and he completely changes. And he's, he's, he still has that underlying, like, you can tell he still has those thoughts but they hurt him to the point of meekness and, and terror. They don't hurt him. They um, make him want to throw up. Yeah. He's literally uh, well, gagging. No, like they, right, he is, but it's supposed to cause him pain as well. Yeah. Um, but the, so but the, you thing see, that you, the thing that you see as an audience is you see and you hear him get physically yeah, he's ill. he's choking, he's heaving. 
Yeah. yeah. It's falling on the floor. Um, so then you see that meekness and then you see like the real fear is okay. So like when the, when the old guy is like, Oh, I remember you. And, uh, and he's like, let's, you know, let's beat him up. And he's like, no, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. And he gets beat up. And then he, he's like, okay, oh, all right. That was me when the cops come. And he's like, so thankful the cops are there to protect him. And then sees that they're his, his former droogs. And he's so like, guys, come on. Like we're past this. I'm a completely different person now. Like you don't have to kill me. And they beat him up. And then, so he started off so calculating and so in control. And at this point he's narrating that he ends up back at that. He just wants to find a home and he ends up back at that place that says home with the, the woman that he had raped and the man that's become the crippled guy. Um, he ends up back there, like without even knowing it, he's so out of control at this point that he has no idea where or when or what. And he, he gets in there and he recognizes the guy and he's like, Oh fuck, I'll play this role. And then once he gets calmed down, he's in that bath and he's feeling better and he stops thinking about it. He starts singing the singing in the rain, man, everything switches for him again. And now he's like, the hunted again he he knows it he knows something's up and he doesn't know how to like he doesn't want to drink the wine like he thinks it's poison and then and then he's like oh fuck it i'll drink it and i don't know it's just it's crazy to see all of the different arcs in this movie yeah i feel like i just keep saying the same shit over and over again yeah. so what, <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry i i got excited no it's good stuff right. man what it's, you got it's good stuff um chris Who's up next chris what it uh i've have, seen this movie Probably, I don't know, six, seven times. Wow. So this uh, was most, one most of the rare I, movies that you had actually seen, like before we even started doing the show, you were into this movie. Yes. Yeah. All so right. most recently I saw it in the beginning of 2020. Uh, it was on Netflix. So I don't think I finished it, but I got a good way through it. Um, I first saw it when I was probably... 15 and I was watching it because my very first girlfriend, her brothers were much older uh, and they thought it was cool. So I had to think it was, you know, I had to be cool right. and watch it too. Right. So that was my first introduction to a clockwork orange. Um, I, you know, so I tried to get Pam to watch this with me. She sat through a good portion of it and I had to explain to her that not all movies are meant to be like, eye candy enjoyable like this is something that um you have to be able to appreciate like all the stuff that george is talking about all the stuff that's going on and it's also very uncomfortable to watch girls get raped and you know everything that happens in this movie the violence in general um you know and especially like for me what always strikes me is when he's being tortured and he starts yelling like uh, you know, especially about the Beethoven music and he's just going off. The, he's going fucking crazy trying to get them to stop the music. Like it's, it's very unsettling. So I was trying to explain to her all of this stuff and she wasn't having it. She made it probably halfway through before she just left the room and went to bed. I would say um, though, like on, on that note, just, I would say it is eye candy in a certain way. I mean, from the perspective yeah, I'm of like, like filmmaking, this isn't Ace Ventura. That's what right, I'm saying. Right. So that's yeah. I mean, and I, 
yes, I agree with you. But she I, doesn't give a fuck about Kubrick's beautiful camera work. You right, know what I mean? Like, right, yeah. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to be like. Uh, I am no movie buff whatsoever, but I can. I've come to a point where I pre- appreciate those types of things, camera angles and lighting and all of that stuff. Right. Uh, she's, you know, not. That's not what she cares about. And so. and that's totally fine. I just wanted to like make the point that in in a way the movie is very much eye candy yes um, no you're absolutely you're, you're correct when i say eye candy it's more like yeah like you, I said, it's, it's not a popcorn movie it's not a popcorn right. movie that's, that's for damn sure that's what i meant yeah <laughs> um so i've always liked this movie and uh this time when i went into it i was like I've seen this enough where I want to look for things that I haven't fucking noticed before. And that's how I saw the 2001 Space Odyssey. Because instead of watching what he's doing, talking to these two girls, I'm looking at all the surrounding shit that's in the scene. And that's how I saw that. Right. Um, so I was able to pay more attention to some of the beautiful sh- camera shots, you know, like Kubrick is fucking very good at. I was able to look at their costumes a little bit more and get like a better feel like just for the movie itself. And I don't think it brought me any sense of, it didn't really bring me anything other than seeing everything that the set and everything had to offer for the movie that was being shot. I didn't really get much more out of it. I already knew what I was watching. I was hoping to get some, like, I don't know what I was looking for, but I didn't get it. Um, so the movie was it, you know, the same thing to me, the sixth or seventh time, whatever. Um, I think George hit on every major note that you possibly can on this movie. <laughs> that's like, a that's a way to say you said a fucking lot, George. Like, I'm just sorry, like, man. I'm no, sorry. It's good. All of like the arcs, the just everything that's going on in this movie, and how it's fucking mind boggling. All the changes he goes through throughout the movie. Um, so yeah, I mean, George, you really covered it um i like this movie a lot i think one thing that it suffers from um in general is rewatchability i've seen it a lot but that doesn't make it a rewatchable movie i've i don't want to say i forced myself but i've intentionally watched it like i you know this has nostalgia value to me i'm going to watch it again um so yeah it's yeah. a crazy fucking movie. There's a lot fucking going on. It's very disturbing and unsettling at times. Um, it, you, you're, you feel the, the emotion that he's going through. You're feeling his um, digression, his progressions. You're, you're feeling all of it. Uh, the acting is very well done. Um, oh yeah. The one thing I will say is the, their accents at time makes it very fucking hard to understand what's going on and it made me appreciate that i last watched it on netflix and i could have the subtitles on because yeah. you get a lot more out of it when you can stay, understand every fucking word they're saying um, oh yeah i mean when half the like not half the movie but a big chunk of the movie is a made-up language that you can only get from context it's yes. really important that you hear all the other things around yes. it so we were watching it on you know i debated do i the tape was expensive. Am I going to watch the tape or are we going to rent it? We ended up watching the tape. I kind of wish we rented it so I could have had the subtitles. But, um, so yeah, so the character, the fucking acting is phenomenal. Camera shots, fucking amazing. Um, some things I still don't understand about the movie. 
and you brought it up quickly, Dan. Um, so when they are fighting those four guys that are raping, trying to rape that girl right at the beginning, um, then they immediately run down the street and rape a woman. Mm-hmm. You had said that it is, you don't feel or think that it was about them raping the girl that they were fighting. Oh no. Yeah, no, not at all. No, they weren't, they weren't fighting about the raping the girl. It's just, it was just interesting how they stopped a rape right before they did a rape, but it had nothing to do with the rape. They didn't stop. Yeah, they weren't stopping a rape. They just found some right, people that it, they could beat the shit out of. of that they, they wanted doing. to fight. Right. So, yeah. So there's um, in the narrating, um, George, you had brought that up. It's for me. I found. I don't know if I was tuning it out intentionally, or it was so subtle that I was just missing it. But I really had to think about the narration. Like if I wanted to, like. I don't know why, but I, it like wasn't a thing for me unless I was f- making myself listen to his narration of the movie. I think that I makes think it. I think that me- like I think that's that means that it's good, like because it's so integrated into the movie. It's like um, it's like people who don't want to watch a movie with subtitles. You know, like a movie that's not in English. They don't want to watch a movie with subtitles. But if you're really into the movie. You don't even really, you get to a point where you don't even realize you're reading subtitles and the narration in this film is so integrated into the film. And it's such a core part of how the story is told that you're not even thinking about the fact that it's happening. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Totally makes sense. Right. And it's not like the entire story is narrated. It's really just the insights into his thoughts. Right. Right. But when you were talking about it, I'm sitting here and thinking, like, Jesus. I remember a couple times I'm like, oh, I have to listen to what he's saying. But then other times it was just – it was just happening. It was just happening. So, right. Yep. Um. Yeah, there's really not a whole lot more to say. Um. I'm, I've said this before on the show, and I think this goes for anybody who has a moral compass. But uh, the thought of rape or, like, visually watching – someone get raped or in the process of is it fucking disgust me so much. It's actually hard for me to watch, even though it's just a movie, but I have an extremely difficult time. Like, no, it's terrible. Sitting through. It's terrible. You know what I mean? It's fucking, it's so disgusting. Yeah. Um, I mean, but that's the effect that I think that, Oh yeah, that's what they're going for. Absolutely. And you know, those were the types of things I was trying to tell Pam, like this is not enjoyable. <laughs> like right. that's not the point. Yeah, of the it's movie. not supposed to be enjoyable. It's right. Just supposed so, to but I was trying to prep exactly her. What it does. I wanted to prep her to get through the movie, and it didn't work. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But yeah, I, so I, you know, I really, I do like this movie. I like it a lot. Uh, I've, like I said, I've seen it enough, a lot. Um, I just, you know, I think why I like it so much is nostalgic, honestly, because it yeah. brings me back to. My first girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, man. So good movie, good acting, fucking Kubrick shot. Love it. This was fucking full of them. I mean, that's and another that thing never... that, that was the thing I wanted to, to ask you about is like, this is the first time that you've watched this movie as part of the Kubrick canon. Like prior to this, you just watched a clockwork orange, right? Like this time you watched a clockwork orange as a Kubrick film you know, coming just coming off of watching The Shining, we've done Full Metal Jacket, we've done Eyes Wide Shut. 
you've you've watched 2001 a space odyssey haven't you on your own yes okay so you are like a person now who has an idea of who kubrick is as a filmmaker we've talked ad nauseum about the guy and so going into the movie i assume there's some differences with how you approach it as a kubrick film versus just as a movie yes absolutely 100 percent correct because like i was you know if i saw like um a shot that i was like holy fuck like i would point it out to pam and she she wouldn't notice you know on her own because it's just she's trying to work through the fucking movie but i'm like holy fuck do you see how he did this like even um when his mom goes to his knock on his door in the bedroom and like the t- entire house is like gold. The or house whatever. is amazing. That house but is the fucking way he, fantastic. The way he is looking down the hallway with the camera, just like the whole fucking place is gold. I even think what she was yeah. wearing was gold. Like yeah. it was just, it was awesome to look at. And uh, he does this thing. He, I think he did it in the shining as well. May not have, but uh, when they're looking so where they rape their woman all red, he's a cripple. He's like typing on the, uh, the computer or whatever. He does this thing where he's in front of the, the cripple. I don't know what to call him. George said the cripple. Now it's like stuck. The guy in but the wheelchair, the, cam- the disabled man, the guy. So the, the camera is on him. And he's he wasn't in the wheelchair away. yet when that was happening. He's typing away. And when the camera's on him and then, uh, t- the space, like cubic makes the space look huge by uh panning right and you're seeing the entire house and there's like a split wall there and you watch it pass by and you're seeing her go down the hallway to answer the door and it just makes the fucking it's just it's not it's not that big of a place but the way he does the shot it looks fucking massive it's just little stuff like that i really enjoy watching uh his films now for that stuff and i mean space odyssey is full of it yeah Uh, like that whole movie is just massive spaces but um yeah totally approach this movie you're absolutely correct approach it in a different way knowing it's a kubrick film and i think even if i would go back and watch things like eyes wide shut where i was still really new to all of this i would find more about it that i enjoy um in that respect and um yeah that's all i got good good that's all really good stuff man um what about you so I, I'm going to, my perspective is going to be a little different because, um, as a matter of fact, I had never seen this film. Um, I avoided it because everyone who I knew who liked it, um, it felt like they liked it as a feather in their cap. Um, I felt like most people who talked about it, I didn't trust that their take was genuine and that they were just trying to like put on a show that they liked this weird out there movie. And um, so that made me not really think that it was uh, my jam. So you missed out, man. What's that? You missed out, man. How did I miss out? I just watched it. No, you should have watched <laughs> it a long time ago. Why? Because it's a good movie. I watched so- it. So, so has your opinion changed about people who like this movie? Uh, no, there's definitely a lot of people who like this movie because they want to say that they like this movie. I, I am confident of that. But I am able to watch it now um, without necessarily looking through that lens because um, I, I can watch it as like a Kubrick film, which is a big part of it. Um, and I can watch it... There's a lot of 
elements to it that it's not something that I'm watching because I'm trying to be edgy. Like I'm a middle-aged man. Like I'm done trying to be edgy. Like I'm not, I'm not in that phase of life anymore. Um, and so I can just watch it as a film in its place and time. And, and there's a lot of like really interesting things to it. And I will say it's not as edgy as it presents itself. And that was one of the first things that really struck me is like, Yes, it starts out with the ultra violence, you know, and it starts out with these menacing guys who are just young teenagers who are just terrorizing their community, which is the way that it's marketed. All of the visuals that you see, all of the posters, all of the ads, everything, it's all him with his bowler hat on and the look on his face and the smirk, you know, and um, just him and his buddies just with the milk in their hands and all that shit, you know, and just, and so there's definitely that element to it, but that is like the first act of the film and that's it. And that's beat the fuck out of them. Um, you know, not physically like psychologically beat out of him, um, through, you know, this whole, uh, program of essentially brainwashing and so it becomes much more of a film about, uh, like, about like what makes us who we are, uh, about morality, about ethics, about free will, about um, interpersonal connection, um, about the role of, of government in, in, in rehabilitation, you know, um, should, should, um, incarceration be about punishment or should it be about rehabilitation? And, you know, the practices that they, that they exercise on him, um, to like fix him, do they fix him? Um, do you have sympathy for him? And like, as soon as you have sympathy for him, you're confronted with all of the terrible things that he did. Um, you know, it's like you feel bad for the way that people are exercising revenge on him. But at the same time, like those people all have a pretty justified claim to revenge on him. Like he was a fucking monster to these people. And is he better now? I mean, he's been brainwashed. Like, I don't think he is he's learned his lesson. I don't think he's learned to be a better person. His brain has just been fucked with enough that the part of him that wants to do bad things um it can't function because it it just fucks with him too much. And so so the film like it it and, it, and not really the film the story, you know, in the book um and just the whole narrative, it, it poses all these like incredibly interesting questions, um, uh, about, about how we interact as humans. And I, and I find that all very compelling. Uh, it's not this super edgy story about, um, glorifying violence, um, which is the way that I feel like it's kind of presented in the way that I've kind of always pictured it. Um, I think people might think it's edgy like maybe her brothers did way back then because it's kind of a tough watch. 
Yeah, but there's a lot of movies that are tough watches. I mean, Schindler's List isn't a fucking walk in the park. You know, <laughs> like, um, I, I mean, it's edgy for a lot of reasons. I mean, in the seventies, when the movie was released, well, first I can't of imagine all, when this came out. I know in the 70s, it's what insane, the fuck people were man, thinking. because like I said, man, like night of the living dead was considered like just totally over the top and night of the living dead doesn't hold a candle to this. No, like this is all. fucked up. Like night of the living dead is not, is not. Night of the Living Dead is a fun movie to watch. Like, it ends in a kind of grim way. Um, but it's this fun adventure. It's this exciting thing that's happening that you're rooting for people and you know who to believe in and you know who the enemy is. Like, um, this movie, it's all so vague. You don't have any of the comforts of, like, your protagonist is a monster. You, you you don't want to like him. And you're constantly like being toyed with between looking at him as a piece of shit and looking at him as somebody who you feel pity for. Um and it does, I don't know if I ever felt pity for him in this fucking movie, but I mean when he's getting beat that's... up by his droogs, I, I felt bad oh, for him. Okay. I a mean in the fact that they took away his ability to defend himself made me feel bad for him. Um, but then as soon as you start feeling that way, you're like confronted with the fact that like, you know, the guy plays singing in the rain. Um, and you're like, all oh, right, he fucking raped this guy's wife to this song. Um, yeah. So he kind of deserves what's coming to him. By the way, um, that whole singing in the rain part, that was not part of the book. Um, that was something that... So Kubrick went to uh, Malcolm McDowell and was like, yo, he was like, I want you to do this scene. I want you to be like, to commit these like terrible acts, but I want you to look like you're having fun doing it. And so Malcolm McDowell starts singing, singing in the rain while he's like beating up, you know, this guy and like whipping around the cane and like doing all this stuff. And immediately Kubrick went out and uh, bought the rights to the song. I think he paid like 10 grand for it or something. Cause he's like, Holy that shit. has to be in the movie, uh, which was a good decision. It was obviously really smart because um, it became this, like, you know, this huge, I don't know, cultural icon the film did. And then obviously that scene was such a powerful scene in the movie. Um, but apparently Burl Ives, fucking hates or hated Malcolm McDowell. He's dead now, uh, bro lies. But, um, yeah. Cause he was like, you fucking ruined my song, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I thought that was kind of interesting, but I mean, a clockwork orange has always been considered edgy. I mean, okay. So I don't know if you know the history of it in England, but shortly after it was released in England, there were a bunch of copycat crimes, um, which uh, really upset Kubrick. And so Kubrick pulled it and wouldn't let it be released on video in England. It wasn't released on video in England. It wasn't watchable in England until he died. Holy crap. It was the 21st century before you could watch this movie in England. 
And it wasn't because of the censorship in the country. It was because of Kubrick saying, I don't, you know, I don't understand the way that this movie is understood in England, but clearly um, it's inspiring people to make some bad decisions. <laughs> and so he just was like, we're pulling it. And then he just kind of stuck with that. Um, and I mean, so, kudos to him. I, I mean, yeah, I, I think. Yeah. Like, I mean, I feel like he made what he felt is a morally important decision. Um, so whether you think he was right or wrong in censoring it, it's his film, it's his creative work. I mean, right, he has the right to right. do what he wants with it. And obviously you could get it. I mean, especially, you know, as you're going into the nineties and in, in the early two thousands, like, you know, you have the internet, you have ways of getting things, but still, um, it yeah, they, and, and the people that were close to Kubrick believe that if he was still alive today, he would still um, hold the same, you know, he would still say, no, I don't want it released in England. Uh, but anyway, the point of saying that is just to say, I understand why. Um, so that it comes out, it gets banned in England. That immediately raises its value. You know, um, it's the same thing as uh, Ramiro, the benefit of Ramiro never like Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead. All of those were released with, without being unrated. They were all released unrated. That immediately gives it value in certain circles. Whether, you know, whether the unrated is deserved or not, the fact that it's not rated immediately makes people go, "I want to watch this thing." Right. So right. the fact this book was on the um, banned book list for a while, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. But I mean, fuck, man. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark was on the banned book list. I mean, that that doesn't mean a whole lot. It means that there's a South. And, you know, and you don't want to hear know, me talk shit about the South, but, like, the vast majority of banned books are banned in the South because they're fucking backwoods idiots who think so, you can, who think uh, you can, like, not, you can not spread ideas by just not letting people get books. I don't understand why they were called banned books because in English class we had a banned book project where we had to read and write about were, a banned book and there was a banned book section in the fucking library. Because they were books that have been books. they're books that have been banned in places at certain points in time. There was no master list of books that were banned. And there were never been books banned at a federal level. Like I said, the vast majority of banned books were banned in the South by certain states and certain school districts. Um, it's not banned. Like there's no, like the library of Congress does not have a list of books that they don't allow. Um, now England does have what they call video nasties, which are a list of banned films, um, in England by like the British version of like the MPAA. Um, but this was never on it. Surprisingly. I don't know if that was because Kubrick took the lead on it and, and was like pulled it before they had the chance. But yeah, I imagine if this was allowed to be there, they probably would have wanted it censored. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting, but um, I, I mean, I don't have a whole lot to add about, about the film itself. Um, Malcolm McDowell was fucking fantastic in it. Uh, he made that role his, I think, you know, you have three geniuses involved in the making of this. Um, you have Anthony Burgess who wrote who wrote the uh, the book. 
you have Kubrick who made it a very Kubrick film. And then you have uh, Malcolm McDowell who made Alex just uh, this amazingly deep and complex character. Uh, yeah, he he killed it. Yeah, he did. He absolutely, he crushed it. And a woman with a dick statue. Yes, he did. Well, he didn't actually kill her, but in the film. Um, I will say the movie is incredibly unsettling. Um, and it's not necessarily because of the violence, because of the rape. Um, obviously, those things are not fun to watch. Um, and the fact that they're made to look like they're fun activities is kind of one of the very unsettling elements of it. Um, because what this movie does that makes that I have a really hard time with, um, it, it really bothers me to think about, is... Um, the complete lack of empathy and the devaluing of human life across the board. And that's what you see in this film um, is that no one cares about anyone. Um, and that's a fucking depressing thought. There is no one who has empathy for anyone and no one who gives a shit about anybody else. Everyone is out to get their own nut. And, um, and there's no one, even as an audience member, there's nobody that you really feel sympathy for. Um, and so that is hard for me as a person watching a film, um, to not have sort of the comfort of a person that I care about, uh, and to have a person that I root for, uh, and to know, and to like picture this world that is so cold and so unfeeling that no one gives a fuck about anyone else. Um, you know, except for maybe his mother. Um, but she's like kind of viewed as like kind of a crazy person. Um, so anyway, yeah, it was, um, is a very, very well-made film. Um, it definitely creates an opportunity to have some really interesting conversations about ethics, about morals, about interpersonal relationships, um, you know, and, and all the other things that I've already listed. Uh, and, and it, and it kind of surprised me. It kind of wasn't exactly the film that I expected it to be, which was, which was good. It was a pleasant surprise. Um, so to roll right into, uh, scores, I'll just give mine. I'll just start it off and we'll snake draft this. Um, I'd give this film, uh, seven and a half. Um, certainly not my favorite Kubrick film. Um, certainly not, uh, as amazing as a bunch of teenagers thought it was when I was a teenager. Um, probably a bunch of teenagers think it is now probably a bunch of teenagers thought it was in the seventies and will think it is in the future. Um, I will say it was it was very well made. It was very interesting. Um, I, but I didn't love it. I didn't love it. Uh, I, uh, my metal moment is um, when they've got like the fucking things on his eyes. Um, that is like just that Brutal. just turns my stomach to watch. And apparently they really fucked up his eyes when they did that. Um, 
Because, like, those were legit. I imagine so. Yeah, like, those were, like, legit, like, eye clamp things. And, you know, Kubrick's uh, penchant to, like, do a bajillion takes. Um, Yeah, it wasn't good. Actually, the dude who carries the guy in the wheelchair, you know, there's a scene where uh, the guy carries, the big guy carries the dude in the wheelchair down the stairs. Yep. Yep. So he went to Kubrick and was like, dude, get this shit figured out, like get the angles you want and get this figured out in your mind, how you want this, because I'm not doing this 50 times. He was like, I'm not carrying this guy down the stairs 50 times. And, um, everyone was like, Oh my God, I can't believe you just talked to Kubrick that way. But, uh, Kubrick found it entertaining and funny that he had this, um, that the guy had the balls to say it. And that Kubrick had already developed a reputation for like just being obnoxious about the number of takes that he would do. <laughs> um, so anyway, I love that scene where his eyes are are taped open. It's my metal moment um, just because it's in a film that is so full of very uncomfortable things. It was the thing that made me most uncomfortable, um, like scene wise, uh, like visually. Um, and it's the turning point really in the film. It's the point where Alex goes from, um, being on top and like kind of thinking every, at least thinking everything's under his control to realizing like he's fucked. Um, and so that, that kind of, I give it the nod for that. Uh, since we're snake drafting, it goes back to you, Chris. I'm going to give this movie an eight. Um, it's really well done. Atkins fantastic. George brought up the music, which I forgot to touch on, which was fucking phenomenal. It's not a rewatchable movie. <laughs> I've seen it quite a few times, but that's over the span of like 20 years. So, um, not rewatchable and it's just tough. <laughs> it's a tough movie. Um, eight really good. Eight. Yeah. Um, metal moment. So he, Alex kills the yoga lady with the penis (laughs) statue or whatever. And then, uh, he hears the cops coming. So he runs outside and his three friends are standing there and smashes him in the face with a milk bottle. One of those old (laughs) fashioned fucking thick milk glasses. Damn. Yep. Metal. (laughs) (laughs) I love it, man. I love it. All right. Georgie. George. That leaves me. That That leaves leaves you. Okay. I'm going to give it a nine. Um, I'm not, I'm not giving it a 10 because of rewatchability. I think it has done so well. Um, I mean, every bit of this movie is just chock full. Um, I don't know many movies that use the scenery around them the same way. Like, like literally every Kubrick movie you mean? Yeah, but like besides Kubrick, but this movie specifically, I mean, everything in all the rooms was there for a reason. It was nuts. The Shining. Um, fuck you. <laughs> um, I'm not talking about that one. I'm talking about this one. Okay. It's really good. I'm going to give it a nine. It really does suffer the rewatchability, though. Like, I've seen it several times, just like Chris has, over, you know, t- like a long ass time, almost 20 years. Um, so it's it's one that I I would rewatch again at some point. 
It's funny. But like it's not, you guys it's say not like, that. Oh man, I'm excited to go watch this movie. I didn't find it that hard to watch. Jarring. I didn't find it that hard to watch, honestly. I thought it was going to be way harder to get through than it is. And the thing is, like, if you can get through the first like 30 minutes, that first night of madness, the rest of it's yeah, pretty it's, easy. But it's not an enjoyable movie. In a lot of ways, it's not. An, it, there's a lot of things about it that are fucking awesome and whatever. But you can't. But you I gotta mean, watch it for the the art of it. You have to watch it for like the art of making the movie to truly appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. I I totally agree with that. But it's I don't know. Not, it's I don't, not a casual watch. I don't anyway. feel like I. I don't know. There are definitely movies that um, I have seen that I thought were very powerful films that I hope to net like. I actively do not want to watch again. Um, Requiem for a Dream is a movie that I will hopefully never have to watch again, but it was very fucking powerful. Um, yep. This movie, I, I didn't agree. feel that I'm way I'm not about. trying to compare this to that. I was just going to say, I don't think we're comparing that way. I, I... Yeah, I'm just saying, like, I don't feel that way about... I'm only comparing because, like, that sounds like kind of the feeling you guys have about this movie. But like I didn't know. I thought it would be I harder to watch, watch than it was. Than I thought it would be harder than it was. Uh, it really wasn't like it didn't really bother me. Maybe I'm just desensitized. I don't know. You jaded son of a bitch. <laughs> um, no, I mean it's there's just so much, and like I kept trying to think like if I was even alive at any age. At the time when this movie came out, if I watched this as a teenager, if I watched this at my current age, if I watched this as a 60 year old, there is no safe age to watch this movie. It attacks all ages. It attacks all senses. It attacks man or female. It attacks Republican or Democrat. I mean, it doesn't care. It attacks, you know, God. It attacks everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to like wrap my head around how I feel about it. And I don't mean to keep interrupting, but like I haven't thought a lot about it because I've only ever seen it this once. But like, I don't know, man. It just feels like it feels immature. Like it feels like a movie that wants to be like really important, but just kind of doesn't hit it. I'm not even saying it's important. I'm just saying it's done so well. It's, Um, yeah. What do you think? Okay. So let, let me let you get through this because then I want to ask you another question. But all right, so I'm giving it a nine. Okay. Um, the only thing it misses on is the rewatchability. Um, metal moment is when Alex throws himself out of that second story window, um, or is it a third story window? I don't know. Yeah. But so he <laughs> tries to kill himself. He's gone. Right. He tries to kill himself. He's gone back to um, where he was singing, uh, singing, singing in the rain. Um, yeah. And he's been knocked out by the wine and they've locked him upstairs and they've got Beethoven's ninth just blasting as loud as it can go. And it is driving him nuts. Like it's hurting him. It's gagging him. He, he literally can't stand it. He's beating his head against the floor and he looks at the window and he's like, you know what? This is my only way out. I can't, I can't, I, I have to be done with this song. I have to, he was that tortured. Um, and he throws himself out, but doesn't kill himself. Sure. No, no. <laughs> which is like, um, I don't, I don't know. Is the, is it, would it have been better for him to kill himself? 
not for the movie's sake, because then you never see the government guy come around to be like the biggest weasel out of the entire movie. I mean, he's just being a government guy. I mean, he's just doing. What I know, but like that's, do. <laughs> that's my point, though. Like, is they they show that so I didn't easily? How much shit Malcolm McDowell's been in, dude? He's a oh yeah, very man. prolific actor. Very prolific. Yes, he's great, man. Yeah, although he looked a lot different back then. Yeah, I almost don't recognize movies. him compared to the movie. You know what's crazy is uh, they tried to get uh, Tim Curry to play. Um, to play Alex. That would have been interesting. That would have been interesting. What was your other question for Jorge? Uh, it's not just for George. It's for it's for both of you guys. Um, and, you know, we don't need to go into, like, deep conversation about it. But I want you to power rank the Kubrick films that we've watched for the show. So we've done Eyes Wide Shut, Full Metal Jacket, The Shining, and, um, and this, Clockwork Orange. So um, that's the most we've done for any director. We've done the same amount well, for Hitchcock. For the, yeah. Yep. So that's still the most, even if it's tied. Um, But that's a pretty good amount. And um, it's a pretty good idea of the, and it's a good span of their careers. I mean, that's from 72 to um, 2000 uh, with Eyes Wide Shut, his last film. So, and and a a vast array of sort of genres. Um, So I want you to power rank. I want you to power rank them. So George. Not it for first. Okay, Chris. I called it not it. Chris. So, one being the best. Yeah, start correct? with four. Yeah, start with four. The the one you like the least. Or, yeah, you know. Eyes wide shut. Yeah. Would be four. Yeah. Uh, full metal jacket would be three. Yeah. Clockwork two. Yeah. Shining one. Yeah. And if I had to throw Space Odyssey in just because I've seen it, it'd probably be Eyes Wide Shut would be five, and then 2001 Space Odyssey would be four. All right. I like it. George, have you seen a 2001 Space Odyssey? Um, I don't think I've seen it in its entirety. I feel like I've seen like half of it. All right. Then don't include it. Uh, go with the ones, okay. that, the, the ones that we've done. All right. Eyes Wide Shut's on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's hard. I mean, the other three are so good. But I'm gonna give uh, Clockwork Orange number three because of the rewatchability, um, and then it gets even harder, man. I like these movies a lot. I'm gonna say um, Full Metal Jacket and then The Shining. I think the sh- I think that all of those movies suffer most from re- rewatchability, but The Shining is the easiest to watch over and over again. You know what I mean? Like, that's the easiest to just throw on. Um, But that was, I mean, that's, that's tight. Yeah. So tight. Yeah. I mean, they're all great films. Um, I would, I would probably go, um, I would probably put Clockwork Orange last. Um, then Eyes Wide Shut. Um, I, I think Eyes Wide Shut, there's just so much amazing, like the 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 lighting um in the framing and just like visually eyes wide shut is one of his best which is saying a lot considering the shit that this guy's made for movies like um and then i would probably go um full metal jacket 
which visually I would say is like the lowest. Um, but the story and the characters and all that shit, like it's, it's very powerful. Um, and then I put the shining first, um, just because from as a full movie, I mean, it's one of the best ever made. Um, I would say though, that I would disagree with you. Like, I think either full metal jacket or the shining or the two hardest to watch. Um, really? Yeah. I think um, Shelley Duvall's pain in The Shining uh, just really, really comes through. And maybe if I didn't know how real it was, um, I wouldn't feel so strongly about it. But watching her suffer is um, not something I enjoy. Um, and Yeah, see, I didn't know that. So if I was to rewatch it, I feel like that might play a part. But I did not know that yeah. when I had watched it. Right. Um and for like single scene, that's just, I just can't is obviously the scene where, you know, uh, he is making out with the naked woman who turns, into <laughs> 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 turns into that old fucking hag, um, rotting corpse. Um, and then full, but full metal jacket too, is like, especially like the first half of that movie, um, and the psychological breakdown, um, you know, that the, so the one thing that really gets me with Full Metal Jacket is that it feels like two small movies put together. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, when it splits from basic to actual war, it's just so drastically different. Everything goes from inside to everything's now outside. Yes. Like, it's... My opinion of Full Metal Jacket is almost entirely based on the first half of the movie. Um, that alone, it's like, it's like the second half of the movie is like a bonus. Um, because the first half is, uh, by itself is just so, so full. Right. It's almost like an epilogue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Visually? yeah, like the, the psychological breakdown, uh, of Vincent D'Onofrio's character in that, um, is oh my just, God. it's hard. It's hard to watch, man. He fucking steals that show. Like, yeah, he does. You can't follow that. No. Visually eyes wide shut one or two do you know what i mean but the storyline is tom cruise tom cruise i didn't even like the vision like i i would still when we're talking about the way it looks i'm still gonna put eyes wide shut four on that list um yeah i I, mean i really didn't care for eyes wide shut nearly as much i mean it's it's a good movie but all three of these other movies i just I'm going to call Epic. I mean, I don't think that, yeah. I mean, I think that's a pretty, I don't think anybody's going to like, but they're also argue close. with you about that because eyes wide it's shut is like definitely four is like terrible. It's I'm, literally number four, but like still eyes wide shut by a lot of people is not considered to be, I mean, they make excuses for it because that's how low they think of it. Um, but it's hard to not appreciate like, the visuals in the fucking sex cult and then all of like the, the Christmas lighting. Um, and just, I don't know, man, it's all just so, like you said about, uh, about a clockwork orange, everything is so intentional with the way that Kubrick does his shit. Um, and you see, you see it there, you know, you see it so, so good or so well in eyes wide shut. Um, and that was also like the first movie of Kubrick's that I really, like broke down. Um, I mean, it's not the first I saw, 
and then I'm pretty sure the shining was the first I ever saw, but, um, that was the first one that I really sort of tried to pick through, um, and learn about. So there, it has that going for it too. Um, it story-wise it's, it's, it's pretty weak and yeah, Tom Cruise like, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> visually, I, honestly, I think for me, Clockwork Orange, uh, in Eyes Wide Shut are the two most visually, uh, appealing to me. Although the shining, it's, uh, it's the hard. Shining, All yeah, of his movies man. are fucking hard. The shining has some beautiful shots. In Space Odyssey, is fucking really cool. Not oh, that we're yeah. talking about that because we haven't done it in the show, but it's like not the same to me. It's because everything is so um, practical. It's all practical. So right. it's like. Well, and it's like a sci fi movie. It. It's like, it's a totally different thing, you know? Yeah. It was, I don't, I, I mean, I like the movie. I appreciate it, but. Yeah, whatever. We didn't. We're, it's not even done on the show. But. So if you were gonna yeah, have man, somebody he, watch a Kubrick film, would it be The Shining? I mean, yeah. if you didn't know anything about the person and you were just like, if you want to watch a Kubrick film Kubrick that'll film fucking watch, blow your absolutely. mind, The Shining. Yeah. Right? Have you guys seen Doctor Strangelove? No, or How no. I Built the Bomb, oh. or whatever it's called. Uh, Doctor Strangelove or How I Grew to Love the Bomb or yeah, something like something, that. Yeah, I've no. got it on DVD, man. That's a fucking trip. I have it. I have it on VHS. I just haven't had the the chance to watch it yet. Um, or Chris, do you have or 2001. A... I don't. It's fucking crazy, man. Uh, I've seen Spartacus, but that's not really. I mean, it is a Kubrick movie, but it isn't. Um, I don't think I've seen that. It's good. I mean. It's like a 1960s, like, uh, you know, ad- adventure, like historical adventure movie. If you're into Kirk Douglas, check it out, man. Um, but yeah, a Doctor Strange Love. I I want to watch 2001: A Space Odyssey. I want to watch. Um, and you know, I it sounds like, it sounds like Jack is going to try to like put something together where he does like a deep dive through Kubrick's um, filmography. So that'll very much be worth listening to. Oh, very Um, cool. I'm sure he'll have a lot of really great insight into a clockwork orange. Oh, do you know why it's called a clockwork orange? I thought this was pretty interesting. I don't Nope. because it's like inside you're like mechanical, but outside you're like biological. So like a clock that's wrapped in an orange, a clockwork orange. And then his, um, that's why it's named that. Yeah. And then his eye makeup is supposed to look like a gear, like in a clock, which, um, when they stylize it like cartoonishly for the cover of the book, it literally, his eye is a gear. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, but interesting, but yeah, so I thought that was kind of cool and it fits the story pretty well, you know, because they're basically trying to, uh, like, they're trying to program his brain, you know. Right. Um, but anyway, that's good, guys. There we go. We covered a Clockwork Orange. I was concerned about doing this because I was like, I don't know that we... I mean, we've taken on a lot of movies that I don't feel like we have the chops for. But um, the last Kubrick film we did, we had Jack with us. Um but we did this one alone, and I think we did okay. It's not bad. 
Nah, it's not this that at all. Doesn't, this movie doesn't really hide much. You know what I mean? Like, it's pretty in your face about everything. Like, there's a lot of subtleties in a movie like The Shining. I'm sure um, there's a lot to this that that oh, we yeah, didn't sure pick up on. Too, but they, there's still enough that pops out that we, you know, we still have a full fucking episode. Yeah. We do. We have a long fucking episode. This yeah, is supposed no, to be a no shorty. I know. I know. Um, but anyway, so if anybody thinks that any of us have a shitty take on this film, probably me um, for not liking it uh, and for thinking <laughs> people who do like it are just trying to be edgy um, and that it's immature, uh, then hit us up. Hit us up on social media at The Movie Seller. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Uh, you can email us at themovieseller at gmail.com. You can send us hate mail there. You can post reviews on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Uh, you can post hateful reviews on there. We'll read them on the show. Um, we'd love to read them on the show. Uh, if you want to participate in VHS for T1D um, and give us a movie to watch then you can do that. You go to any of our social media and the link, our, our like page link in our bio will send you to the JDRF um, and you can donate directly to the JDRF and, um, and we'll watch whatever movie you tell us to watch. Um, and we'll watch anything from a clockwork orange to Tybo videos. Um, we don't fucking care because it's all about finding a cure for type one diabetes. Um, and that's important to us. And, um, yeah, but we do also appreciate good movie picks. Yeah. We love good movie picks. I loved this movie pick. I was glad we got to watch it. I was glad I finally watched it. Um, I was glad I watched it knowing Kubrick a lot more than I did when I was first sort of when I, when this film first came into my periphery. Um, right. And so watching it as a Kubrick film, I feel like. Uh, was good good for me but uh anyway i got nothing else chris you got anything else nope